IntelliKey Leadership Stories, the podcast for conscious leaders. We share the lessons learned from global leaders making an impact for their organizations, stakeholders, and investors. For people, community, and environment, we get inspired by their experiences, attitudes, and practices. Here are your hosts for IntelliKey Leadership Stories, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Welcome back, everyone, to our podcast, IntelliKey Leadership Stories. My co-host, Kirsten Gouldy, is normally with me. Today, she's taking a day off away from the microphone, take care of some family business and take care of herself, which is certainly a principle we all try to espouse. Today, we're really glad to have Lauren Winans with us to talk about the people side of conscious leadership. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Really happy to be here and looking forward to the discussion for sure. Lauren heads up an organization called Next Level Benefits. The the title of the company belies, I think, your purpose, much more than a benefits consultant. That's right. Yeah. You know, we, we do a little bit of everything in the HR people space. So it's not just employee benefits. However, you can reap the, the next level benefits of, you know, using me and my firm to help you create more best places to work. So that's uh, now, I, now I understand. Okay, <laughs> not just the benefits management, but the benefits of working at a next level company. That is right. All right, very cool. Well, Lauren, I think we can't have any conversation in the midst of our COVID pandemic without asking. What is the trend right now and what's your take on what everybody seems to be calling the great resignation, but certainly it's a great recalibration of the balance between employees and employers. Yeah, I'm glad you phrased it that way because I more so agree with the great recalibration or even the great reassessment than I do the great resignation. You know, certainly the numbers don't lie. There are people who are resigning, you know, at a much faster pace than ever before. But I think it's not necessarily due to, you know, a variety of issues that employers are having. I think it's mainly due to a shift in our own priorities and, you know, really kind of thinking through what's important to us. You know, we had time in our homes for many months, some some of us much longer than that, um, to really kind of, you know, reestablish what's, what's important and how we want to spend our time and whether or not what we're doing on a daily basis is contributing to our overall goals in our life. And I think that that has led some folks to really step back and think about how they want to spend their time professionally within their career. And that may and has shown that it's resulted in, in resignation. I'm certainly optimistic that people are really trying genuinely hard to find the thing that makes them happy and to be in the right roles at the right time. And so I see this time is very turbulent, but at the same time, I think a very necessary um, transition for us to get to the other side where, you know, more people are happy in what they're doing every day. And I think that happiness is where I wanted to pursue a little bit. You know, Kirsten often uses this phrase, I'm done. You know, and some of these young leaders, they don't mean they're done working, you know, but they mean I'm done with the old communication styles. I'm done with the old, what many people faced with harassment or inequities in their positions. How are you seeing companies, one, addressing that, and two, executives and managers really stepping up as individuals? You know, I think that what's happened in the world, you know, has really brought forward a lot of issues that have been existing in the workplace that we knew about, but weren't necessarily spending a ton of time trying to change. 
So, you know, over the last 18 to 20 months or so, a lot of employers have been focused on diversity, equity, inclusion. They've been focused on changing their leadership style, leading with empathy, which is one of my favorite styles to emulate. And I think that employers are also looking to be more creative in ways to reward their employees and recognize them for all of the hard work that they have been going through. I mean, this has not been an easy go for any position in any job in any industry, you know, since the beginning of the pandemic. And so I think everyone has really done their very best um, and has, you know, served their employers well in many cases. And I think that employers are really making the effort to recognize employees in that way, and also to kind of break down some of the barriers and the issues that have really been plaguing the the workforce for a variety of years. So, Mm -hmm. you know, some examples I could kind of share is some clients I have that are really focused on mentorship programs, some things called like listening circles, or, you know, opportunities where folks can kind of come forward with any issues or concerns they have in a safe space, and really kind of share whether that be a mental health concern, and they're looking for help, for whether that be you know, an issue with the organization as it relates to pay equity, or they're basically just opening those lines of communication in a totally different way. And I can really appreciate employers that are willing to say, hey, we need to hear from you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How can we help you? How can we better the workplace? What can we do to make you comfortable? Because we want you to work here for as long as you can, as long as you want to. Exactly. Um, and that's why I'm curious. And I, I'm glad you went towards examples because, you know, many people would say, well, now all of a sudden DEI is on a nameplate. It's in the annual report. But what else could you point us to as examples that maybe other companies could learn from more than just paint over? over what the old problems were. Yeah, absolutely. So a few examples here. I have a lot of clients who are very interested in benchmarking their compensation practices to really ensure pay equity across the board, whether it be amongst gender or whether it be, you know, within an actual job or whether it be geographically, just making sure that everyone is receiving competitive pay. I also have clients who are very interested in creating opportunities for different populations. So from a ethnicity standpoint, or perhaps ensuring that those with disabilities have the you know, same opportunity to apply for positions and with accommodations that might be necessary. And I have a lot of clients that are kind of working through logistics of what that looks like, changing policies, creating job descriptions that are more inclusive, that are not restrictive and requiring certain things that really aren't necessary for you, to, for, for you to have to actually do the job. And then also making accommodations for folks, whether it be, hey, you can work remotely if it's challenging for you to get into the office, you know, physically, if it's challenging for you, or if you have other issues that prevent you. So it's, it's really kind of taking a look at your workforce, determining where you might have gaps, where you might have opportunities to kind of fix policy and practice, and then really kind of going after a talent acquisition strategy where you're bringing in people that are you know, diverse, that are bringing in different types of experiences, that have different values and you know different, different levels of expertise in a variety of different ways that perhaps you wouldn't really have considered in the past. So it's just about opening your mind and really thinking about the employee life cycle from start to finish. And is diversity, equity, and inclusion a part of that entire life cycle? Or are we falling short because we don't have it included anywhere, or it's only a small sliver of our process? Mm -hmm. 
or if you didn't have it at all in your strategy before, you know? <laughs> exactly. I yeah. think there's, you know, a wonderful opportunity for employers who really think more about that is you open up your talent pool when you start thinking outside of the box, you know, whereas you might have previously thought that, you know, only someone who can lift 50 pounds and do this, do that mm -hmm. um, with physical requirements and only willing to work between this time and this time, like all of those, you know, requirements before they might be more flexible now. And that might open the pool to, to a bigger talent group for you to bring into your organization, which is incredibly important right now, given that everyone's hiring. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, we couldn't help but notice on your website, you said you want to help clients, more clients be best places to work. Right. And who of us hasn't seen the sticker, the gold star on a company uh, website that says we've been selected as one of the 100. If all these places are great to work at, why do we have the questions and issues that we just talked about? Is the bar being raised to be a really great place to work? I think it is. You know, I don't necessarily think that we're all going to feel it right away. You know, and I think that the organizations that truly rank companies in terms of whether or not they're best places to work or not are operating, you know, under different levels of requirements and their list of things that they can check off to say that are the best place to work aren't necessarily the same things that employees kind of feel, you know. Well, I, I've had that experience running my own company and now you're an entrepreneur too. You know, running your own company, I thought I had a great place to work. Why don't all the employees agree? Yeah. <laughs> I, I never got a medal on the door. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think too, like, you, well, first of all, you have to apply for those medals. And if you want to go through those long application processes, it is worth it in some cases, because the sticker does mean something. But when I think about a best place to work, you know, what I'm thinking about is a place that creates a culture of inclusivity, that is an environment that you want to be a part of every day, whether or not you're working remotely, or whether you're working on site or in person, you know, it's a place where you do feel a sense of purpose. You're working towards something, you have goals and aspirations, and you have people who are around you who can help you achieve them. You have opportunities for career development, but at the same time, you're getting rewarded and you feel as if your contributions are recognized and they're being rewarded regularly. And those are in some cases, very, you know, intangible in, in some cases, because, you know, it's hard to kind of rank that on a quiz or fill that in on an application to get the best place to work, you know, logo on your website. But I think that those are the types of things that employees find valuable. And so we try to find ways when we're working with our clients to change policy, process, and practice, and then also work through communication, proper communication and leadership development to have all of those concepts come to life. When all of that comes to life, you know, the culture of a company or organization is created. And that culture then becomes this living, breathing thing that everyone experiences every day. Mm -hmm. And so as much as I'd like to say those best places to work stickers can really kind of identify all the great places to work. I think that a lot of them are really great places to work, but they might need some work in some areas. And then I think there's a lot of great places to work that aren't ever on those lists. So you really Good have point, to look Because for, of just filling out the form and the competition. Exactly. Of it. exactly. Yeah. You got to be well, looking Lauren, for you've it. also described, uh, if I could, some fixing, you know, of current companies and current leaders. Maybe we can turn the page and look ahead to the future. I think about how this might connect with some environment, you know, sustainability goals, and thinking about those are like 2030, 2040, 2050. 
And I think about a young person entering the workforce today would be the leader that's going to take us to the finish line if we can actually achieve those goals. What is your sense of the future leadership and what's that generation of leader thinking about? You know, I really think that the next generation is really focused on different priorities. They're focused on the bigger, greater good. So just like you said, you know, sustainability, you know, making sure that marginal populations and ethnicities are included, you know, making sure that everyone can find a place in the workplace, something that's meaningful to them, something that provides value. And I think that bigger level of thinking towards the greater good is going to change the way leaders lead, but it's also going to result in organizations, you know, their priorities just ultimately being different. You know, they're going to be focused more so, for example, on sustainability than ever before. While we do have a lot of places that are really focused on that, and a lot of great leaders who spend, you know, time educating all of us about climate change, you know, I do think that the future really brings a leader that is, they're really going to be careful about, you know, how they lead their, their workforces, how they determine which goals and priorities their organizations are going to focus on and how best to impart social responsibility to their workforce, as well as to their consumer base, as well as, you know, to really everyone. You know, I see more companies having more of a philanthropic standpoint, um, you know, a philanthropic mission that's tied to some of their revenue generating business as well. So I think there's, I think there's going to be a lot of change in that space, but I do think that from a leadership perspective, we're going to see a lot more leaders leading with empathy, leading with purpose and leading with social responsibility. And you bring up such a good point about these leaders, not only having their own personal convictions, uh, but also being able to attract and truly lead, bringing others along. Yeah, I think it's going to be very much a very interesting time. I, I, I'm excited to kind of see where the next generation takes the corporate world because you know, the corporate world that I'm used to being in was very rigid and not necessarily as focused on things that benefit the world and the people of the world and more so focused on profits and revenue and mm -hmm. you know, share price. And I think that I think that that's going to change. Those things are still going to be important on and and have their own merit. But I do think that priorities are going to shift, and I'm I'm excited to see that. Oh, and certainly, Kirsten and I have had a chance to talk to so many companies and, and investment professionals, you know, who do see not only profit because you have to have a sustainable business, but also so profit plus these other things, right? So, Absolutely. so Lauren, Absolutely. I, I'm curious about your own personal leadership and some of the practices that you have to sort of elevate your consciousness and maintain your conscious leadership. What are you doing? You know, I really focus on understanding, being empathetic. I think I've mentioned that a couple of times today because it's such a passion of mine. I find that it's easier for me to lead teams when I can put myself in their shoes, when I can understand the work that they are doing and also understand that they're pulled in a bunch of different directions, just like I am personally, professionally. And that sometimes we all have this level of imposter syndrome where we're like, am I going to get found out that I don't know what I'm doing? And that I'm just like making this up as Did I go along. Did you think you were the only one? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just so funny because you know, I, I try to remember, you know, what it was like in that moment when I was in that role or when I had to do that task or when I had to do that job. And that 
helps me to be as supportive as possible because my goal as a leader has always been, how can I remove barriers for you? How can I make your job easier? How can I make you successful? Because when you're successful, I'm successful. You know, how can I help you as opposed to do what I say and, you know, you know, do exactly as I do. I, I don't, that's not my idea of good leadership. My idea of good leadership is being able to be empathetic and understanding and really being able to support your employee through any situation. And then also too, providing feedback regularly, consistently. And I think that that is more beneficial than waiting to that one time a year merit review conversation. The more consistent you can provide feedback, you know, the more that performance will improve and change in the course of a shorter period of time. And so that I'm a big believer of providing feedback as well as asking for it in return. Very encouraging. And I'm interested, Lauren, you know, as you think about the title of our podcast, IntelliKey Leadership. Now, when we invited you to the show, you probably ran to your dictionary to look up the word too. <laughs> we all have at some point. But uh, Kirsten really introduced this word to us, and that is that IntelliKey is this idea of a soul's purpose. You know, you're not just meeting your quarterly goals, you're not just making your career ladder moves, but you feel like you're really on a soul's journey. Do you feel like that in, in your career? I do. I really do. I, I kind of fell into human resources. So it was a happy circumstance for me to kind of fall into it 20 some years ago. And I worked in a corporate environment for about 20 years. And then the last two years, I've been doing my own entrepreneurship, human resources consultant practice. And I'm loving every second of it. I, I find that I'm most passionate when I'm serving others and I'm helping others. And I find what I do in the human resources space to really be something that benefits people without them realizing, <laughs> right? So I, you know, I'm the person who's you know, helping to benchmark your compensation, making sure you're getting paid well enough. I'm the one who's making sure that you have the right employee benefits offered to you that are meaningful and valuable to you and not just something that you're kind of like, oh, all right, well, I'm not gonna really use that. You know, I'm the person who wants to educate you on all the different things that you have available through the company and for you to take advantage of them. And, you know, that I find to be something that is a very rewarding role for me. I, you know, I think that there's probably, you know, a handful of other jobs I would tell you is, you know, exciting for me. And I would love to do those someday in my life. But I do think that the most rewarding part of my career has been my ability to, to really serve employee populations at the same time, helping to build culture within an organization. That's been, you know, absolutely something that I can say for certain that it's been a great opportunity and a great ride. And I hope it continues. And what else can you share about your own practice, maybe that nurtures that soul's strength and purpose, you know, whether it's mental health practice, health practice, spiritual practices, what else do you do that feeds the soul? Yeah, well, for me personally, I do a lot of meditation and yoga, I find that very valuable in what I do. It helps to center me and to really be open and thoughtful in everything I do personally and professionally. From a professional standpoint, you know, I do spend a lot of time kind of seeing what's going on out there in, at different workplaces so that when I'm working with a client, I'm really bringing people along um, for the ride of saying, hey, you know, here's what some of your competitors are doing, or have you thought about this in this way? Have you thought about getting creative about solving that problem? 
And I think that that is the value that we can bring is, you know, really kind of taking all areas of human resources and looking at it with a creative lens. And I find that some of the things that I do to become a very centered individual can help me on a professional level to really kind of to help our clients identify what makes the most sense for them when we're working through a project or an issue. And, you know, HR is, a lot of people have a, a very specific thought process around what HR is, but, you know, human resources is really meant to be, you know, a function that serves employees and provides opportunities for employees to thrive within organizations. And that is my ultimate guiding light in every project that we work on, because I think that that is, as long as we know we are providing value and we are helping employees, then we know we're on the right track. Mm-hmm. It's a good, good metric. Well, Lauren, can't thank you enough. Kirsten and I really appreciate you being on our program. Wonder if you could share how people can connect with you, learn more about your company and follow your work. Yeah, thank you for asking. So the best way to learn more about us is to check out our website, nlbenefits.com. Stands for next level. So nlbenefits.com. We've got all of our information out there, different things that we do, different clients that we've worked with in the past, recent projects. There's also a way for you to get in touch by scheduling a call for sending me an email. So I'd love for you to, to take a look to see what we're up to because we are certainly spending a lot of time with our clients these days and we would be happy to, to help you as well. Well, wonderful. And I love the twist on the name, the next level benefits, <laughs> taking the benefits of working at your company to the next level. The next I lo- level. I love that. <laughs> Lauren, leave us with a challenge. You've, you've shared a lot of stories, a lot of experience, some examples, but leave our listeners with a challenge. If we turned off this podcast and walked away, what is one thing we could do back at our organizations to mm-hmm. elevate our benefits of working with us? You know, I think the one thing that I would ask everyone to do is to think about, and I actually, this is going to take the leadership slant here is, you know, really take a look at how you're leading and if it's effective. And I, that's kind of a broad challenge, but I think it, it's ultimately meant to be because we all have a different leadership style. We all manage a variety of different people. But if you're finding that your team is not necessarily performing at the level you would want, instead of looking at them as the problem, turn that around and ask yourself, is there things I can be doing differently that would change this situation? And I think as long as you can see it both ways, you can always find a way out of it. So that would, that would be my challenge. Very good. Well, listeners, you've heard Lauren's challenge. We've talked about aspects of IntelliKey leadership we could bring to our organizations. So let's take up the challenge and see if we can elevate this week. Well, thanks again for coming by. We look forward to having Kirsten back for our next episodes upcoming. We'll continue our discussion with conscious leaders. So until next time, I'm Mark Stenson for Kirsten Gouldy and IntelliKey Leadership Stories. Thanks for listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories with Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Connect with us on LinkedIn and visit our website, pureintellikey.com. I'm Jared Kajak. Join us again for our next episode of IntelliKey Leadership Stories.